My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm really, really, really excited to be with you today, specifically as we're starting a new series, uh, as we're going to be looking at the Shema. Uh, the Shema is uh, a prayerful dedication in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. We're going to be hanging out there all throughout this series, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of uh, the Old Testament. And uh, before we do that, just want to encourage you to get into small groups. Small groups are, like John said, such a vital part of our church and of our ministry. And so uh, one of the things that we like to do is to make it uh, really easy for you to join a small group and to do it uh, based on what we're learning here on Sunday. And so we're going to be doing this five-week, is it five? Might be six-week series uh, that we're doing. And we want to just get you plugged into some type of small group. So no commitment. uh, Just jump in. Hopefully you can take what we're learning. Uh, on Sunday and you can uh, do it with other people that they can challenge you and you can get into an environment where you're growing and you're pursuing God together. Uh, As we get started today, uh, my daughter Brecken, she is in the second grade and absolutely loves school. We love school too. Uh, COVID taught us very quickly that we were not homeschool teachers. So if you're a homeschool teacher in here, I just want to say you have a special place in heaven. No doubt in my mind, God's got rewards for you. Uh, We failed at it miserably, but my my daughter loves school and she's at this age now where she's just a sponge. Like second grade, she's learning all kinds of stuff. And one of the things that she really loves is the Pledge of Allegiance, right? This is this, the the Pledge of Allegiance is uh, where they get up in school every day, and it's not just her age, but it's kids all throughout schools, millions of kids throughout the United States of America, and they've memorized and they recite the Pledge of Allegiance. And you know, it doesn't just stop there in schools, right? We know that it's uh, in congressional meetings and political meetings and all kinds of stuff, And, and really, we know the Pledge of Allegiance by heart. Right? It's a part of who we are. It's a declaration of what we believe. It's, it's part of us as a country. And we learn this and we recite this. And I think there's something really, really powerful about that. You know, my, my daughter, even her, she, she's beginning to realize how powerful uh, memorization and just the Pledge of Allegiance is. And, and what we're going to be doing is, in this series, or in the study that we're going to be looking at, is we're going to be looking at another type of declaration. Now, this isn't to a nation, it's not to a, an organization, but this is a declaration, this is a, really a recited prayer that gives us our identity in God. To know who God is and to live our lives in a way that honors Him. You know, the Shema is uh, something that many Jewish believers have been reciting for centuries. I mean, from the, the minute it was given, it's been recited, even to this day, morning and night, the Shema is recited. So there's something very, very powerful about it. You know, we were having a conversation, and someone said, well, that's just the Old Testament. Like, what we read in there is different because of Jesus, but, uh, but here's the truth. Jesus himself oftentimes refers to the Shema when he's teaching. You know, so, some of the things that uh, they ask him, God, what's the most important thing? We'll read about this a little bit later, and he says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You see, that's the Shema. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up there to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, and we're going to start here. I'll read it with you if you don't have your Bibles up. It says this. It says, oh, 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 we're kind of wigging out here. Okay, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, 
and all of your strength. Depending on the translation that you're reading, that word listen might be hear. So listen or hear. And in reality, it's Shema. So what we're going to be doing is, is we're looking at the Shema specifically. And the very first word that we're going to be looking at is just that. It is Shema. Now, at its simplest level, when you see the word Shema, it means to listen or to hear. To listen or to hear. Now, uh, oftentimes, you know, people would say, well, I can hear something and I can hear sounds and, and things of that nature, but there really is a lot more depth to that word Shema. So today, uh, what our hope is, is that we're going to unpack this specifically, this first word in the Shema, which is Shema. And I really believe that there's a lot of richness, there's a lot of depth, and, and there's a lot that we can pull out of it today. So if you're following along in your notes, the first thing that we want to pull out is this, is that to listen means to really pay attention. To shema, to listen, means to really pay attention. Really, it's the, the way that God listens to his people. Uh, have you ever had a conversation with someone where you're listening, but you're not really listening? <laughs> like where you're, you're listening and you're like, you're hearing what's being said, but you're not actually really like listening to the conversation. I think of, you know, Charlie Brown, it's that wah, 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 right? You're hearing something, but you're not really hearing. And I remember when I was a student, a lot of my teachers sounded like that lady, right? So like you're listening, but you're not listening. Now I've... Full transparency and humbly would tell you that I've had a lot of these types of conversations with my significant other. Now, we've been married for 16 years. It's, it's been very, very good marriage. But I would venture out to say that she says that we have these types of conversations. I would say I'm a multitasker. Can I get an amen, guys? It's called multitasking, right? The ladies in here are like, yeah, right. Like, that's not at all what it is. But what, what it is is that when she's saying something to me, I can say, yes, I'm listening and I'm multitasking, I'm doing other things, but when she asks me, did you hear what I said, what happens? Um, yes, well, no, okay, I wasn't really listening, right? The, the truth is, is that listening is more than just hearing. Listening is actually paying attention. I can hear what my wife has to say. I can hear what someone is saying to me. But if I'm not paying attention, it's really not listening at all. Uh, you know, we see a, a really, really cool, powerful illustration of this in the Old Testament in Genesis uh, when it's talking about uh, Leah. And Leah is one of Jacob's two wives. And, and if you may have heard the story, Jacob uh, was promised, he, he, he was the covenant promise of God. And uh, Jacob had two wives. He really, really loved Rachel. And to make a long, long story short, uh, Leah was swapped with Rachel at, at the wedding time. I don't know how that happened, but anyways, he ends up getting married to both of them. And he loves Rachel with all of his heart. Leah, he, he is almost kind of putting up with. There was something that happened that he has to be okay with her. And as you can imagine, she was hurt. She, she genuinely had hurtful feelings, and, and she was longing to have the love of Jacob. And so in her desperation and in her sadness, the Bible says that she cried out to God. And what she wanted was to have a couple of sons or to have children in general so that Jacob would love her. 
that, that Jake would actually love her. And so we find this interaction between Leah calling out to God and listen to what happens. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 33, it says, She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. So she had two sons. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard, or the Lord shamad me, that I was unloved and has given me another son. You know, this, this word, if you have uh, the Bible app, you can see the little three dots, and you click on that, and the dots said that this, this name, Simeon, is known to be the one who hears. And so she has this amazing interaction with God, and she names her son the one who hears, or the one who is listening, or the one who is shema'ing. And so in her sadness, she cries out to God, she communicates to God, and her uh, prayers didn't fall on deaf ears. In fact, God was literally paying attention. And what this shows us, there's something very powerful. This verse shows us that our God is paying attention to us. You know, I think oftentimes what happens is, is uh, we, we think that God is distant, that he's just out there, that he's not listening. But this clearly showed us that, that our God is listening. And not only is he listening, but he's really paying attention. He's not just listening to the sounds that our voices are making, but he is engaged. He is listening to his people. God is paying attention to you and to me. You know, there's been times that I've been in desperation where I've felt, God, are you even there? God, are you listening? God, are you a part of this? God, are are you allowing this to happen? Like, God, are you there? And this shows us that not only is he there, but he's paying attention. And here's the hopeful truth. That in the midst of every difficult circumstance or, or every scenario, we can go to God and trust that he's paying attention to us. The creator of heaven and of earth is listening and he's paying attention to us. And that just blows my mind. It just blows my mind. Now, it, it's, I think it's amazing that we can see that God is listening and he's paying attention. But many of us, in that times of desperation, we're like, okay, God, now now that I know that you're there, I just need you to do something, <laughs> right? God, I need you to, to step in. God, I'm li- I know that you're listening. I know that you're paying attention, but it's been two days, and I haven't seen it happen, right? God, I need you to step in. I need you to act. We want you to do more. We want you to do something in our lives. And you know what? That's actually the next part of the Shema. The next part of the meaning of the Shema is this. It's to, to listen or to Shema means to act on a request. It means not only just to hear something, but it means to act on that request. And it's really the way that God answers our prayers. Um, Again, I'm a a parent. We've got young kids. And and parents, you probably have had this interaction before with your kids, right? Where you say, uh, you know, so-and-so or child, I need you to clean your room. And then your child says, okay, I'll clean my room. Then you go to the room a couple hours later to check to see if the room got cleaned. And guess what? It didn't get cleaned, right? So then you have the interaction with your child and you say, you know, so-and-so, did you clean your room? And they said no. And so what happened was is they weren't listening. And for those of you who are struggling in parenting, you're like me, there's an alternate ending here. Well, then you're grounded for life or I'm taking your phone, right? You're you're not going to be allowed to do anything. 
And I can say this uh, with a lot of experience because we, uh, we need help and we need prayer in parenting. The pastor needs prayer. We've got crazy kids. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and they're just talking about how good their kids were the other day. Like, just the greatest kids ever. And I'm thinking, now what? Like, we're at, what? You have great kids? You know, and I, the same day, believe it or not, I came across this meme and I wanted to share it with you. I thought this was funny. So, like, other people's kids, they, like, love each other, and then my kids are the ones on the bottom. Like, it's a constant UFC match, like, fighting and bickering and all kinds of stuff all of the time. And you're, you're telling me what, that you guys are actually getting along? My kids, man, they, they can't even stay in the same room for more than five seconds without fighting each other. But here's the truth. In this scenario, if our kids say they hear us, they would act on that and they would get their room done. Does that make sense? Like if I'm actually listening to to a directive or if someone is saying something to me, the proper response in this relationship is that that would get done. And so to shema is not only to listen, but it's to act upon the request. And so we see that the Shema is more than just, hey, I'm listening, hey, I'm paying attention, or hey, I know what's going on. Instead, it's saying, not only am I there listening and paying attention, I am going to act. And you see, the good news about God and God's Word is that He does just that. God is active in our lives You know, we read about this in a lot of the Psalms. Many of the Psalms that you read, uh, you will see the word hear or listen, and you can now input Shema into into every Psalm that has that word in there. And really, David, David, time and time again, he started his Psalms by saying Shema. In fact, uh, Psalm 27, 7, he says, hear me, Shema me as I pray. And he's not just saying, listen to me, God. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen to me, God, as I pray, and then act. Be merciful. Answer me. Lead me. Guide me. Show me what it is that you want for me, God. You see, so it's not just this interaction where I'm saying, God, the creator of heaven and of earth, please listen to me. It's saying, God, would you shema? Would you act? Would you not only listen, but would you do something about it. Not, not just acknowledging God what I'm saying, but instead we're asking you, God, to act on our behalf. I'm asking you to do something for me. And the remar- remarkable thing about God is that he answers prayers like this all of the time. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life where you've prayed to God, God, would you do something? And it's happened. God, would you provide here when I can't provide? And it's happened. You know, we see this in David's life time and time again in God's word. He did this for David. He did this for Israel. He did this in the Old Testament. He did this all throughout the Bible. And what's happening is is that God is not only involved, but he's active in the prayers of his people. Now, I think just like anything, it's important to remember that we don't look at our relationship with God versus, uh, in a, God, what can you do for me kind of relationship. God isn't this kind of like cosmic vending machine where what I ask for, he just gives to me. Because that's not healthy. Again, I think of, think of parenting. If I were to give my kids everything they asked for, it would, be, it would not be healthy. There has to be boundaries. There has to be guidelines. There has to be things. Uh, at times, I know what's best for my kids more than they do. 
And prayer isn't this negotiation with God. God, what are you going to do? God, if you're listening and you're paying attention and you're going to act, are you going to do it in my way? No, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I believe that prayer is to ask God and to wait on his timing and to see what he provides for us is exactly what we need. You know, I, I think this is so hard because oftentimes our prayers and our expectations aren't necessarily met with what we want. You know, sometimes God has to tell us no. That's a hard thing to hear. Sometimes God will tell us no because he knows what's better for us. Because God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so much higher and transcendent above ours that even in our finite minds, we think that we know what is best for us, when in reality, God knows what we need. God knows everything that we need, the situation that we're in, what will get us out of it. And so sometimes we have to realize that, that a no to our request is the will of God. And that's not easy at times. Sometimes we have to understand that, that uh, you know, the answer to our prayers might not come in the timing that we want. And we have to understand that sometimes God, in the midst of our patience, and well, sometimes it's not really patient, right, if we're honest, but in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of, of trials, that God is using those things to refine us. He's using that to strengthen our faith. He's using us that to draw us near to him. But the bottom line is this, is that, again, it's a promise of God, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that God will work all things for the good of those who love him. And so what that means is that even though it might not be the what I want, it might not be the timing I want, that God will always provide what I need when I need it. See, that's a promise of God. You know, prayer is trusting that God is listening, that he's active, and will act upon them when he sees fit, even though it doesn't meet up with our timeline. You know, uh, I think I've shared this, my story here before, if, if you don't know me. Um, I grew up in a broken family, very, very broken family, and because of that, I decided to lead a life on my own. I, I ran away from home when I was very young, 17 years old. I told my parents that I hated them, and, and I just went my own way. I was stubborn. I got involved in all kinds of things, just bad relationships and drugs and alcohol and, and, and major addictions. And, you know, my mom, my mom prayed for me for 19 years. Literally 19 years my mom prayed for me. And she never stopped. And, and I, I can only imagine those times I've had conversations with her, all the hurtful things that I said, all of our interactions, the times that, that I left, that I, that I turned my back on my family. My mom continued to pray for me. And you know what? She didn't get answers right away. In fact, she saw a son, a son who was living in sin. She saw a son that was running from God. She saw a son that was angry at the world, angry at her. I mean, she saw all of those things. And so as she's praying to God, everything opposite of what she's praying is happening. But she didn't stop because she believed that God not only was listening, but he would act. And listen, the result of that some 19 years later, is that I, through a, a very radical conversion experience, my mom led me to faith. She led me to faith. And, and what, where would I be now if my mom stopped or didn't believe in God or stopped trusting God or didn't think that he was acting or would act? I mean, I would probably be dead. <laughs> in fact, my, my little brother, you know, is a, a result of that. I mean, there's just so many things that we have in our life 
that we say, God, what are you going to do? And then we just give up. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to know that he's listening and he will act on his timing in the right timing. Whatever it is that you're going through, I mean, I don't know who this is for, but God is in the middle of it. He is in the middle of it. Maybe he's using it to draw you nearer to him. Maybe he's going to answer it right away. I don't know, but God wants you to know wherever you're at today that he loves you, that he cares about you, and he is shamaing you. He's listening, and he will act in the right time. You know, I, I think we look at this and we think, okay, that's awesome. You know, this is God. God is perfect. He is the one that does everything perfect. And when we read about him in the Shema, when he's saying, the Lord your God, listen, is one, like, okay, that's God. So what does this mean for me? You know, how, how does Shema apply to me? Because really, when, when we get into the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is talking just about that. It's talking about our devotion to God and then how we should live our lives in response to that. So how does this apply to me? And I think that leads us to our last point, which is this. For us to listen to God, to Shema to God, means to obey what God says. To, to truly Shema God isn't just to listen to him, but it's to act in Obedience. You know, one of the interesting things that I found out in my studies this week on this word specifically in the Shema is that there isn't really a word, a Hebrew word in the Bible for obey. There isn't a word that conveys obedience. And so what you see in all of the, the areas where obedience or obey would interact, you see the word Shema. And so, not only is it listening, hearing, acting, but really what it is, is it's complete obedience. It means to, to shema God means to listen to him and to obey. Let me give you an example. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, it says this. It says, now if you will obey me, or now if you will shema me. In fact, if you read this, it says, shema, shema me. If you will, shema, shema me. And so what he's saying is this is really serious. It's if you will really listen, if you will really obey, if you will really act, if you shema, shema me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all of the earth belongs to me. Now, if you look at this when it comes to listening and hearing and obedience, with the word shema, it's two sides of the same coin. It's the exact same thing. So when we listen or when we shema, we also obey. We obey. In, in fact, in the next few weeks, we're really going to drill down what that means. Okay, so you know, if, if, if I'm called to obey and there is no word for obey, what does that really mean? What does that mean in my life? How do I obey God? How do I find out what pleases God and do those things? How do I shema and listen and see what he wants me to to do. And again, what's so cool about this is this isn't just a, an Old Testament Hebrew word that we're studying. In fact, this is meant to be applied to our lives. Even Jesus himself, again, taught this on multiple occasions. In this interaction right here in Mark chapter 12, he's engaging with the Pharisees. He's engaging with people who knew exactly what the Shema meant. And so they're righteous, and they're above everyone else, and they're the elitists, and they're religious, and they're trying to trap Jesus. And they're trying to trap him, and they say, listen, what is the, the, the most, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. And he says the Shema. 
Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must, here's finding out what pleases God in doing it, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And you know what's really cool about this is he doesn't stop there. What he says is, and there's something as equally as important. Do you know what that is? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so God was saying, listen, part of being in relationship and shamaing God is to find out what pleases him in doing it. And the other next part of that, which is equally as important, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Is to tell and point people to Jesus. And so let me, let me close by saying this. I think there are multiple different peoples in different journeys of your faith in this room. If you're a follower of, of Christ, if you're a follower of God in this room, when we hear this word Shema, it impacts our interaction with God. It's that we, when we read God's word, we apply it to our lives. When we have a decision to make, we run it through the filter of God's standard. When we are leading our kids, when we're mentoring our kids, we run it through the filter of God. We're obeying his commandments. We're teaching our kids. Like if you read, uh, when you go home, I challenge you to read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, after the Shema, the very next thing that he says, parents, is to teach these to your kids every single day. Every day. And so it's this uh, emphasizing that we have a responsibility, Christ followers, if we have children, to teach our children to honor God. We have a responsibility to love our neighbor, to tell people about Jesus, to point them to him. We have that responsibility and that call in our life. So it shouldn't just be a me and God relationship. God, what are you doing for me? It's God, what am I doing in response as I listen to you? And my hope for you is that you would see that yes, God's listening. Yes, God's involved in whatever situation you're in. But he also wants to use you to point people to him. Now, I also think that there are people in this room that we need to, right now, have obedience to God in something in our life. Maybe it's a sin that we've got going on in our life that we're holding on to, that, that, that we don't want to let go of, you know, something that we're, we're just saying, I, I, I love you, God, but I also love this. I, I don't want to let this go. And what God is saying is, shema me. Not only listen to what I'm saying in my word or what other people are pouring into your life, maybe it's a mentor or, or, or a different relationship, are you shamaing? Not only are you listening, but are you repenting? Are you turning to me in obedience? And you know, there are other people in this room that, that you're here for the very first time. And you need, the, the biggest thing that you need to do is to shema and to obey and to understand that there is a chasm between you and God. In fact, one of the things that we talked about in, in Pursue God is the definition of sin. I think I have a slide for this is that sin is any time we go our own way instead of God's way. You see, the Bible says that there's God's glorious standard. And in Romans 3, uh, 23, it says, for all fall short of that standard. Every single one of us, we all fall short of that standard. And because of that, there's a chasm between us and God. There's a righteous, holy God without sin, and then there are people who have turned their own way and who have sin in their life. And because of that chasm, the Bible says there's an eternal separation. In fact, it says the wages of those, that sin in Romans 6 is death. And death means a literal and a figurative idea that we will be eternally separated from God because we have sin. God is without sin and we have sin, so there will be a separation. But, but here's the truth. God, even in the midst of our sin, he had a plan for us. 
And you see, he, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, a sinless life, and he did that in our place. And you see, what he did was, is he died in our place for the payment of our sin. His death allows us to be made right with God again. And the most important thing that we could do in shamaing God is to listen and to act and to respond in obedience and to say, God, there's nothing that I can do without your son, Jesus Christ. Nothing. Not good works, not good deeds, not righteous sayings, not, you know, you fill in the blank. It's saying, God, you made a way, the only way, and that was through your son, Jesus Christ, and I am shamaing and I'm putting my faith and obedience in you. Now, I don't know where you're at in that sphere, but this applies to us. God is listening. God is involved. God is ready to act. But we too, we too are called to Shema in obedience to God. And my hope is, is that wherever you're at in that journey, we can help you take the next steps. If you'd like to talk to myself or Pastor John, we'll have leaders up front to pray as well. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living and that it's active. I thank you that it penetrates our, our hearts and our minds. And God, I thank you that when we read about this, God, oftentimes we kind of read through the Bible and we have our English language. But God, there is so much richness and depth in your word. And God, I just pray that as we have learned about this, the, the word Shema, that God, we would understand the principle that it's more than just listening and hearing. God, it's obedience and it's action. And so, Lord, wherever we're at in that journey in our life, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to take the next step. By the power of your forgiveness and your kindness and your mercy, God, would we repent today of any sin that we have in our life? Would we lay it at your feet? God, would you help us to be better followers of you, to love you with everything that we have, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that, God, we would love others and point them to you as well in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.